0: Live from Utrecht, this is the fan with Shos Hello, episode four. We're back. We,
1: yes, Shors, we made it
0: So far, so good
1: i'm I think I'm still alive.
0: Do you think this is going to be a one taker?
1: uh I hope so.
0: let's hope so. This would be a miracle if we can get this this one right at once.
1: i yeah, I, uh, let's see <laughs> What are we
0: going to be discussing today, Shos?
1: I think you wanted to talk about script.
0: I wanna talk about mini-scripts, mini-script, more specific. In fact, yes. That's what I wanna know everything about sure, so but what you're is gonna that? help me. Okay. Is that the deal? Sounds good. Yes, so, miniscript. It's um it's a project, I guess that's how I would describe it. It's a project by a couple of um blockstream engineers, even though it's not an official blockstream project. But it's uh Peter Vuiler, Andrew Pulstra. Um and then there was a third name. That wasn't as well known, Sanket Kanyalkar.
1: Yeah, I believe he was an
0: intern he, at Blockchain. He may have been an time. intern, yes. Yeah. So they developed this um, idea called Miniscript. Um, so let's just get into what it is. It's, okay, so to sort of spoil what it is a little bit before we get into that, it's sort of a simplified, stripped down version of Bitcoin Script, which is the programming language used in Bitcoin. Yeah. Or, so far, so good?
1: Yeah, or it's a template. Basically, it's a template of Bitcoin scripts that you can use.
0: A template of Bitcoin script is how you would describe it. Yeah. Okay, so let's get started. First things first, scripts, Bitcoin scripts.
1: Yeah, I think uh, two episodes ago, we explained that it was actually good to add constraints to money. Right, um, yes. This
0: was in the Taproot episode we explain you explained how actually putting some restraints to money would be a good thing. Right, because in the context of Bitcoin.
1: Right. Somebody you know, if you're sending me money, uh, everybody can see that Bitcoin transaction, so you want to make sure or in particular I want to make sure that I'm the only one who can spend it. So I'm telling you, give me, you know, make, make this transaction such that it can only be spent by my public key. And the way that's done is using a script. Even, right. th- even though it's a very simple script and most people use the same script, it is actually a script.
0: Yeah, and script is actually a programming language. Yes, it, it's a new programming language. It was introduced in Bitcoin; like it didn't exist before, although it resembles something that did exist before. Yeah, which apper- which is called forth.
1: Yes, it it basically it's pretty horrible. I mean, it, it looks like it was just. It's called... It's a horrible the-
0: program programming language. I
1: think so. It it was it seems to be coupled together as an afterthought, but but I think it was only later that people realized that you can only change bitcoin through very carefully crafted soft forks. Mm-hmm. So you can't just say, "Oh, let's just start with, you know, a draft language and then clean it up later." So it's been a complete nightmare to to make sure that language doesn't do anything surprising, anything bad. So a lot of the operations that were part of the language have been removed almost immediately because there were all sorts of ways that you could just crash a node or do other things
0: right, these were removed early on
1: yes I mean I mean ethereum had a similar experience in in two thousand and fifteen right where complex programs could do all sorts of unexpected things, but Bitcoin had that in the beginning too
0: yeah so so just just to remind our listeners like what kind of restrictions they put on a transaction, like what kind of restrictions are we talking about here? Yeah,
1: so the main restriction would be that only the owner of a specific public key can spend this transaction. I think that is the typical pay to public key, scre- pay to public key hash transaction. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe we want to demonstrate how that works. Go for it. Yeah. So, so it's um, it's a stack based language, and a stack is like a stack of plates. You can put plates on it, and you can take the top plate off. But generally, you don't want to just take a plate out of the middle. And this is just easy to implement as a programming language in general. So when people make early computer processors, it was just easier to have a memory where you could only put things on top of it and take the top element off. You didn't have addresses. Like with memory, you have to say, which part of the memory do you want? With a stack, you just say, put something on it, take something away from it. So the standard Bitcoin script reads as follows. It's very beautiful. It's uh, opt up, as in double, Duplicate, then op hash 160, and take the 160 SHA hash, mm-hmm. um, and ripmat hash, then the public key, and then op equal verify. So it's it's four elements: duplicate, hash, pub key, and then equal verify. And if you if you kind of walk through what that does, uh, let me see if where I have it. So what happens when, you're, when, when the uh, blockchain encounters this script? It's going to be in the output of a transaction. So the mm-hmm. output of a transaction shows the script that, that uh, it's locked with and the amount. Now, if you want to spend that, what you do is you first publish um, you publish what you want to put on the stack. And then you, you, you sign it. Essentially. Well actually you just publish what publish what you want to put in the stack and that probably includes a signature.
0: So um, when by, by publish you mean generate a new transaction.
1: Yeah. So the input of your transaction, yes, what that actually looks like mm-hmm. is basically a couple of things that you're putting on the stack. Mm-hmm. And what the Bitcoin interpreter will do is is it will see the stuff you put on the stack and then it starts running the program from the output. Mm-hmm. So given your stack, it starts running the program from the output. So in this case, what you put on the stack is your signature and your public key. Um, because the original script did not have your public key. It had the hash of your public key. Mm. Okay, so we start with a stack that has two plates. Plate one at the bottom is your signature, and on top of that is a plate with your public key. And then the script says opt up." And what opt up" does is it takes the top element of the stack, so takes the top plate, the mm. public key, and duplicates it. So now you have two plates with a public key at the top of the stack, and your signature is still at the bottom. Then the next code, the next instruction, is op hash 160. So what this does is it takes the top thing from the stack, which is one of those public keys, it hashes it, and then puts the hash on the stack. Mm. So now the stack is...
0: Oh, you, won't, you
1: I'm trying to interrogate you here. <laughs>
0: yeah, apparently... Now the stack is a hash and the public key, uh, I didn't keep up. Yeah, so so at off. the
1: bottom is a sig- still the signature, then there's a public key, and then there's the hash of the public key. That's yeah. what's on the stack. So the next operation is pub key hash. Um, so that is the hash of your public key again. So now at the top of the stack is two times the hash of your public key. And then the next operation is op equal verify. So that basically takes the two things off the top of the stack says, hey, are they the same? Yes. So, indeed, you know, did you put the hash of your public key? Um, and then uh, the last thing that's left on the stack is only your, again, your signature and your public key, and it calls object sick, so it checks the signature using your public key, and then the stack is empty, and everything is happy. <laughs> That's how the Bitcoin program is run, and you can do I'm arbitrarily I'm complicated happy, sure. things. <laughs> yeah, you can do arbitrarily complicated things that way.
0: So yeah, so basically, this this stuff is telling your computer what to do, what to check, see if stuff matches. If it matches, it's okay. If it doesn't match, it's not, depending on whether it should match or not, and that's yeah, defined but, by but the code. But that, notice that that's that's what we're doing here, right?
1: Yeah, but notice that you don't have to check a signature. Exactly. You could just have a, a script that says, like, yeah, it's fine, just take it.
0: Yes, or you could have a script that says. You either need a valid signature or you need 34 invalid signatures.
1: Yeah, you can do very strange things. You can do things. weird things. Yes, very strange things.
0: Okay, so that's kind of the point we're getting at here, I think, right? Yes. because like that- the, the script language is diverse enough to allow for weird stuff.
1: Yeah, and and now the question is, you know, if you're just sending money to yourself, you don't, you only need this very simple standard script that everybody's seen a million times. But let's say you're collaborating, you want to do a multisig. Now, there's actually an instruction to do multisig, but let's say that didn't exist. So one way you could do multisig is say the script we just just dis- explained hmm. with my public key in it or my public key hash, and then the script we just explained with your public key hash. Just in sequence. Mm-hmm. Right. So that if that's executed, I will not repeat the process we just did before, but <laughs> you essentially don't. start with those, you know, two public keys and two signatures on the stack and you run both of these scripts in sequence and then if both people signed, it's all good. So you have a poor man's uh, multisig. Right. But if I'm evil or stupid, I could make this a rect man multisig. Sorry for the joke. And that is achieved by in the middle inserting an opcode called op return. Right. And the op-return code basically says, all right, stop evaluating this program. You're done. Now, if I had an electronic lawyer that wanted to check that this multisig is what it says it does, or in fact, if you had that lawyer, Mm -hmm. your lawyer might say, well, I see that my signature is being checked. And whatever the rest of the script does, I don't care. But my signature is being checked, so I'm happy with this. But of course, you know, you shouldn't be happy with this. So your electronic lawyer should see that op-return statement and warn you. But the problem is, there's there's a trillion ways in which scripts can go wrong, and that is why you need like a standardized way of, of dealing with these scripts, and that's where Miniscript I'll, really comes I'll,
0: in. I'll read a, a little fragment from uh, Andrew Pulsar, who I interviewed a long time ago when I wrote an article on this. Okay. So the the example he gave was, and I'm not gonna pretend like I understand everything he said in this quote, but that was sort of the point of the quote for me that it was. Ex, you know uh, exemplifying the complexity of potential ways to mess around with script anyways so the quote was there are upcodes in bitcoin script which do really absurd things like interpret the signature as a true false value branch on that convert that boolean to a number and then index into the stack and rearrange the stack based on that number and the specific rules for how it does this are super nuts you probably actually follow that purple do No. I, I not don't. Oh, you well, don't either.
1: I, I kind of do, but uh, it's, you know, the analogy would be you have this stack of plates and you take a hammer and you smash one and then you confuse two and you paint one red and then it still works if you do it correctly. It's, it's completely absurd.
0: Right. Or another analogy I think you gave before this recording, correct me if this is, is not a, the, the right way of explaining this analogy, but it's like you have a contract and it says you know you're you're buying this house and th- these are all the conditions and then there's a small letter which says unless there's like two commas in a row somewhere in this contract in which case all your base are belong to us
1: exactly except that this will be like the law right so the contract doesn't say that at all it's just that the law that's in this country has that stupid rule like if there are two commas <laughs> in a contract you you giving away your money? Okay, that's the script interpreter of, of all the consensus rules, which are quite complicated. Yes.
0: Okay. So I think we've now broken down the problem with scripts. It's it's a uh, it's a shitty programming language language, or at least it's easy to make mistakes or hide bugs in there and make all sorts of complex arrangements that people might or might not notice, and then. Your money goes to places where you don't want it to go. Yeah, is that, and, and that's the best way, that's the summary, right?
1: Yeah, and we've seen, you know, in other uh, projects how bad things can go if you have a very complicated language that does things you're not completely expecting. So, um are
0: you referring to uh, a project that rhymes on me, Ethereum?
1: Oh.
0: <laughs> I think we're on the same page, yes. Yeah. Okay, so, so solutions. We're getting to the solution part of yeah. the story. So
1: so what, what you're basically doing, what Miniscript is doing, is it's taking certain example scripts, so sequence of opcodes, and it, it lists, I think, about 20 of them, 20 templates.
0: This is Miniscript. Yes. Yes.
1: It lists, uh, you know, a few dozen templates. It does not use all of the available Bitcoin script. It uses a subset of it. Right, right.
0: So let's say Bitcoin script has 100 tools. I have no idea if it's anywhere close to 100. I'm just throwing out a number. The mini script says, okay, let's throw out 80 of these because these are just going to cause a mess and let's keep 20. And that way it's going to be a little bit simpler for everyone. Right. Is that that right?
1: Well, so uh, if if Bitcoin script uses an alphabet, essentially, and mini script has a set of words. So it's not a subset of the alphabet, but it's a subset of words.
0: I see. Okay. That's, um, a, that's a better analogy Yeah, so there's
1: there certain patterns of opcodes that you're allowed to use. And if you use those patterns in the way they describe... So this two,
0: double this double comma is removed now. Yeah, there's, there's no, no double there comma. Or, or, or there, or there used is, it but it
1: is used in a very precise way. So basically, Miniscript, um, it, yeah, it, it removes some of the food guns... Um, but it also allows you to do very cool stuff safely. In particular, it lets you do things like and. So you can say condition mm-hmm. A must be true and condition B must be true. Mm-hmm. And you can do things like or. And whatever is inside the or or inside the and can be arbitrarily complex. So with Bitcoin script, you you have if and else type of statements. But if you're not careful, those if and else statements will not do what you think they're going to do. Um so with Miniscript, because there is there's
0: a, more complexity hidden after the Yes, example.
1: exactly. And the, the Miniscript, basically the templates make sure that you're only doing things that are actually like doing what you think they're doing. So they really contain it and that allows you to do nice things. So let's say uh, you're, you're a company and you offer a semi-custodial wallet solution where you have one of the keys of the user and the user has the other has two keys for example so you're not you don't have a majority of the keys and maybe there's a 5 year timeout where you do have control in case the user dies something like that right
0: yeah like a multisig kind of yeah. setup
1: and so normally when you set up a multisig the way you kind of set it up is everybody gives a gives their key their master key their xpub for example and you create a very simple script that has three keys and three people sign mm but the problem is, maybe because you're a big business that offers a service, you have some really complicated internal accounting department, and you maybe want to have five different signatures by specific people in God knows what complexity. Mm-hmm. But you you don't want to. Yeah, you
0: have like a member. You have like five members on the board, and you want three of them to sign. Yeah. Unless maybe the CEO.
1: And especially gets some have some sort of
0: special right from two of the board members and And there's
1: a code hidden in an envelope inside the nuclear suitcase that has an override. Exactly.
0: Exactly. There's like all sorts of complex stuff you can do with it. And and that should all the complex stuff should count as one key. Like you right that's where you're getting at. Like you don't really care how the complex stuff is solved. Yeah. That's up to the company. You figure it out, company. Yeah. As As long as it's just It's clear to
1: us that it's only one key, however you do it. Exactly. Now, the problem with that is, if I gave you, if you know, you can do that with script Mm -hmm. or with Taproot. But how how do I, as a customer, know, like, I would have to hire my own electronic lawyer to check that script of yours, that it doesn't have any of these double comma little gimmicks in it. Yes. And... If only there was a way you could check that. And miniscript is done such that you can check that, as long as the script that you're getting is compatible with miniscript, because miniscript to normal script is two ways. So you can take any miniscript, turn it into a normal script. And you can take any normal script, and turn it into a miniscript. Mm-hmm. Well, unless it it doesn't match, right? If there's codes in it that don't apply, then it just doesn't compile, or doesn't translate. Sure. So, and if you can turn something into miniscript, then you can analyze it using all sorts of tools that can analyze any Miniscript. Right. So what you would have is every wallet out there could have a Miniscript interpreter, and the interpreter could show you a little pie chart and saying, you are this, this one piece of the pie, and there's this other piece of the pie that is really complicated, but you don't have to worry about it. It's not going to do anything sneaky.
0: Right. That's good.
1: That's excellent.
0: Yeah. 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 One of the things that I... So, I mean, we're making a podcast, so we can't actually show this, mm-hmm. unfortunately. But Posttraf, for example, like he's drawn this out. Like you can actually draw out what a contract would look like. Apparently, that's not really possible with scripts. Yeah, you know, all, all of this was news to me when you I. You can. Observed. It's just,
1: just horrible, manual, tedious. Yeah. I mean, mean, imagine the people from Liquid, for example, that have a 13 of 5 multi-sig with all sorts of fallbacks. Yeah, okay, so that's probably drawn out
0: at some point. Yeah, but with miniscripts, it's actually fairly simple to draw it out. Yeah, And you can show this to a CEO who has no idea about scripts or miniscripts. He can just look at the picture and figure, hey, yep, that's sort of what I want the blue and red squares to be. And if these keys work out like this, then... Seems like a good idea to me. Exactly.
1: So that's actually possible now. Yeah, with miniscript. But wait, there's more. There's more. <laughs> and that's called the policy language. <laughs> nice way. No, I want to get to uh, I want to ask you something else first. Okay.
0: With miniscripts, um I do think there are strictly technically speaking there are some limitations. Like there is stuff you can't do with miniscripts, right? Yes. But as far as I understand, these are stuff no one actually does, anyways.
1: Well, that that's not necessarily true. So the the thing is, um, but this is we have to go to policy language before I can explain that.
0: Oh, we do. Yes. Uh, because did you have this in mind already?
1: So yeah. So so let me just quickly. You explain got this episode planned policy- out way better than I do. Well, to, under- to understand why you might want to do really complicated stuff, I need to explain what the policy language is. Yes. Okay. Go for it. So a policy language, poorly named, or maybe not poorly named. Is a way to express your intentions. So, for example, say I want two signatures. Um, and this can be translated or compiled, I think is the better term, to Miniscript. And the nice thing is, in the yeah. Policy okay, language-
0: so to be clear, the policy language is the stuff like if someone like you, yours, mm-hmm. you're writing some, you're building a wallet. I don't know, you're doing something on your computer, improving Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Then you're typing, and the stuff that comes out of your fingers is policy language, and then you actually compile compile that to script later on.
1: Yeah, I mean, you could just write the script directly, or you could write the mini script directly. But the nice thing about writing the policy language is that you can have a compiler that can be very smart. So a simple policy language might be just give me two, two of two signatures mm-hmm. and the policy language will probably convert that to op multisig or will convert that to multisig yeah. in Miniscript and multisig in Miniscript is just op multisig. So that's super trivial.
0: Yeah. Okay. So whoever wrote the policy language and now Peter Weiler, for example, wrote mm-hmm. the policy language for this, uh, he but it was him. It was his brain, basically. He figured out all the best ways to compile this policy language into Miniscript, right? Like, he, figu- he, well, he must he com- somehow figured it out then. Yeah, he
1: wrote a compiler.
0: <laughs> See, so, I don't I know anything about so, this stuff.
1: So, that's okay. So, basically, the you write a policy language. It's yeah. like a higher-level programming language. Mm-hmm. So, if you have a higher-level programming language, like, I don't know, basic, you know, you can say, go to 5.0. Uh, I don't know if you've ever worked with basic.
0: I, I sure, so I don't I Any. can't code hello world, isn't that clear to you right oh. now?
1: Well, I mean, hello World. I've, I've can... coded hello
0: world once, but uh, that's pretty okay, good. Okay, but what language did you code am. hello world in? I don't remember.
1: That's amazing. Uh, anyway, so Poor. so what happens is in a, usually when you see a programmer looking at a screen, you see something that looks like English, like with words like for and next and yada, yada. Right. but eventually the machine is just reading bits and bytes.
0: Sure. No, I, I understand that yeah. part.
1: So the bits and bytes are very close to what Bitcoin opcodes look like. They're very low level. They're very mm-hmm. instructions like put this on the stack, take that away from the stack. But the uh, And the mini script is essentially the same. It's just only a, a subset of it. But it's, it's, it's slightly more readable, but it's still extremely low level. Mm-hmm. The policy language is slightly higher level. So what you do is you start at the higher level, which is easier for a programmer to write. And then a computer looks at that high-level language and says, how can I write this into low-level machine-readable stuff as efficiently as possible? Sure. So in the case of the multisig thing, I might say, I just want two out of two signatures. I don't care how you do that. Yeah. Then the compiler knows that there are multiple ways to do that. It okay, can, but how does can the take...
0: compiler know this?
1: It, it I, I hope that, right? there's so listeners the compiler, out
0: there that know as little about this as I do, so they, they okay. might learn something. Right. How so, does the compiler know this? So,
1: disclaimer, I, d- I don't think I've ever written a compiler. Okay. I'm not that cool. Right. Um, but generally, compilers know because somebody wrote the compiler.
0: Well, th- but that was my point. Like, it must have come from like uh, Peter Reiler's brain in this po- in oh, this case. Of course. Right?
1: Yes, everything comes out of Peter Reiler's brain. Uh, there we go. But, <laughs> <laughs> but basically, the, the compiler knows, okay, there's maybe two or three ways to do this, mm-hmm. this in- to execute this intention. And then the question is, which of the three am I going to pick? Well, then it depends on the transaction weight, and it, uh, you know, and the, the fees that you might be involved. But also, you can tell it, okay, I think most of the time it's condition A, but only 10% of the time it's condition B, and then the compiler can try, you know, condition A nine times and condition B nine one time. And then figure out what the expected fee is. So it can optimize for yes. you know, typical use cases, worst case scenarios, all these things. And it yep. can then spit out a Bitcoin script or a mini script that then becomes a Bitcoin script.
0: Yes, the compiler yeah. figures out the best way to do something.
1: And in very practical terms, another thing it could do, I don't know if it can already do that, is you know you have SegWit scripts now. But we'll have hopefully have Taproot, which can you know, put things in a Merkle tree. So your compiler could figure out where to put stuff in the Merkle tree. You don't have to worry about how to build the Merkle tree.
0: Right, yes. So exactly.
1: it can do all sorts of things. So you mm-hmm. start at the policy language and then you, you write Miniscript and that goes into whatever. Okay, you so want that's to.
0: what a policy language Well, th- that's what a compiler is. A policy language you use you put it into the compiler and then Miniscript comes out of it, which is in a way script. Yes, I think, right?
1: I think the technical term for going from Miniscript to script is transpiling. Which basically is like a one-on-one thing. You can do it in two directions. So right. You can go from miniscript to script, from script to miniscript, but you cannot go back to a policy language. Well, you well, can guess the policy language. But okay,
0: you can. Yeah, okay, I guess so. Yes, yeah. I, I understand that.
1: Yeah. And it may And then, and then, getting back
0: are. to, are we ready to get back to my question about the limitations?
1: Absolutely. Okay,
0: so now there are some limitations when you're using, I guess, this policy language or scripts in general. Yes. But these are limitations that no one actually suffers from, is wh- well, is how I understood it.
1: Not necessarily. I mean, ideally, yes. But in practice, some scripts are some policies might be very complicated. And there would be infinite ways to execute these in Bitcoin script. And because of all these weird double comma foot guns that are in Bitcoin script, sometimes that's an advantage. Sometimes you can write something really efficiently in Bitcoin script. That is just really horrible if you objectively look at it, but it is really fast or really fee-efficient. And in fact, I believe Lightning uses that, the way they sometimes deal with time locks uh, or with hashes uh, or nonces. There there are some tricks in Lightning, I believe, that you cannot do a mini-script, or at least you could not do a mini-script. Maybe you can now. Okay. So there are some optimizations where, like what Polstra said, like, oh, you do some weird switching of the stack and you interpret things not the way they were you know you put a public key on it but you interpret it as a number those kind of weird tricks Um, those might be very hard to reason about but a human might be able to do it Mm. but the miniscript compiler would not do it which means you end up with longer potentially longer lightning scripts Mm. if you do not have all the all the whistles and bells in it right so it's possible that miniscript would be expanded if there is some other optimal way to do it but you have to be careful because if you you know you really want to make sure there's nothing in Miniscript that brings back those scary properties of the underlying language.
0: Yeah. Well, and to be clear, in case this isn't clear to anyone, Miniscript is an addition to what there is already. Like, script is going nowhere. Script, Bitcoin still uses script, and that's the yeah. way it's going to be. It's just this is an extra tool for people who want to use that.
1: And in fact, it's not a consensus change at all. No, it's right? not nothing in It's depth. a tool that you can use exactly. or not use. Like, yes. don't worry. It's not Blockstream dominating the... Uh, the script here.
0: Yes. Okay. So we mentioned Peter Vauler has this uh, policy language. Uh, I know this is very fresh, and you probably haven't looked at it very much. But uh, Nadav Ivki also wrote a policy language. You haven't studied that yet. I, think, I have right? not
1: yet. So I thought that would be a cliffhanger. That will
0: be a cliffhanger. You like the cliffhangers, so that will be a cliffhanger for another episode, or never, or maybe, yeah, or maybe we'll have the one of those lost.
1: But but I can tell you from what I know about the policy language is that. And you're still some steps away from having a practical tool where you and I can set up a very complicated multisig wallet. There's all sorts of questions you want to answer, like, how exactly do you do this setup? What are you emailing to each other? Are you emailing your keys or are you emailing something a little bit more abstract that you agree on first and then you exchange keys? Those very practical things are not solved inside a miniscript. Let me at least mention another. um, uh,
0: It's called Minsk. So okay, his Minsk. policy language is called Minsk. Okay. Okay, I'm I'm afraid we can't give you any more info about Minsk yet. Well, I know dear, Minsk. But the K is a city, maybe one but day.
1: I think it's with a C. So.
0: Minsk with a C. Yeah, that's that's some extra info. Yeah. <laughs> All yeah. right. Uh, sure. Are we? Uh, is this is this the end of our episode? Did we cover anything? Everything we needed to cover from Miniscript? I hope so. It was maybe slightly messy. So let's sum it up. Miniscript is a subsection. Su- no, you called it a template.
1: Yes, it's a it's, template it, of even, script even pieces. Even the summary
0: is getting messy now.
1: So so basically, Bitcoin script is like an alphabet, essentially, mm-hmm. just different letters that have different meanings. And you could see Miniscript is a set of words. Not really words, because you can put things between the words, but uh, maybe words and brackets and commas. Um, that's what Miniscript is. And then the policy language is the thing that can be converted to Miniscript. It's a yes. bit more high level. Where and there are
0: several of those, apparently, by now.
1: Yes because yeah exactly because Miniscript, it has to be set in stone I guess sort of because you want to do all the safety checks on it but then just like you can have different programming language you can have different policy languages yes so if
0: you're into bitcoin programming this is what you want to study this is well, what you want to look at
1: if you're into bitcoin programming the the rabbit hole is massive and pick something uh there's a talk by Andrew Polstra This one
0: is probably pretty good though right
1: yeah, but it, so there's a talk by Andrew Polsta from advancing Bitcoin, not the conference, but the meetup before it, mm-hmm. the Bitdevs London, where he talks for two hours about all the problems with with regular script and why he hates things, <laughs> and that's just he was you know he said he was going to do it in twenty minutes, and I think he still didn't cover everything. I, I don't think that's he's the best still, place he's to still, start. He's
0: still on stage.
1: He's still on stage <sighs> out there, just going through it.
0: All right, this was our episode on mini I think.
1: Yep. So, thank Was you. Should I say thank you?
0: I I, I forgot how we closed our. Uh, I think. So
1: I think I say thank you for listening to the Van Weerdom Shores NATO.
0: There we go.